With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to episode 129 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. Philip, happy 12th anniversary of the Rant Day. Yeah, uh, 12 years ago today, we all learned that uh, Mike Gundy was both a man and at the time, 40 years old. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was a, I mean, joking aside, we could all point to that as a turning point for the program. Oh, yeah. And uh, also pretty... Like what started as a joke turned into just kind of this iconic thing that people still like. I like when people try and use it as a joke to like insult our team on social media. Like, Ugh! like, wait a minute. Are you talking about something that all Cowboy fans, well, most Cowboy fans find endearing and the national media talks about not so much as a joke, but like it's just part of who Gundy is and you're trying to use it as an insult? I don't think you understand how this works. No, it's it's crazy to look at that, which was one of the first like viral, crazy viral internet moments that at the time was just made Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy like a laughing stock. But if you you can go back and point to that as the turning point for Oklahoma State getting some of their best players in there, and then obviously you know three to four years later they're playing for what could have been a national championship. Like it's amazing how quick that turnaround was. Yeah, it it, it really was. It was. It was a big deal. Yeah. All right. So now we are here to recap the game against Texas. Are we? Yes, do we, we, do do we, we have, have to? We could just play the rant. Like, <laughs> I wish we could, but I don't know if that'd be a copyright issue or something like that. I, I want to. That'd be great. But I tell you what, actually, I know that we're supposed to do that, but I'm just going to lay here on the field. I think I'm hurt. So if I could just, <laughs> just, we, we could just, I'm going to, anything I can to delay this game and maybe not, you know, just let me just go ahead and, um, I'm feeling a little crampy. Um, I think Tom Herman's going to have to get out the the P charts in Austin again to make sure everybody's hydrating properly for all the cramps and injuries they were having. Uh, let's say a, a moment of silence for all of the Texas players that did not have a championship level urine last night. Yeah, no kidding. I'm really worried. About I, Texas, I was actually hoping for a moment of silence I, there, but you know what? It'll work. <laughs> no, no, I'm just I'm I'm I'm, I'm legitimately. I'm just be honest and be frank and and, and as a you know. Member of the Big 12, I'm worried about Texas. They have to go to West Virginia in two weeks, and I hope they have enough healthy players to actually, you know, play a game. Feel the damn team. <laughs> Are they going to have a defense? I feel like it's just going to be all like third stringers and true freshmen on their defense. That's scary. No kidding. That's, uh, even Austin Kendall can pick that apart. Yeah. Uh, so there, there is a lot to unpack with this game. Uh, there, despite, you know, a second half that was kind of brutal for Oklahoma state. I feel like there's still some things that we can take away that are positive as, you know, difficult as that may seem, but what was one of your big takeaways from the uh, 36 to 30 defeat to the Longhorns? Well, usually there's positive. So I'm gonna let you start first. Cause I'm really interested to hear these. Uh, I'm kidding, but yeah. go ahead. Okay. So my, my biggest takeaway and I'm, 
I'm going to go into kind of the negative side of this as well, but it's regarding obviously our quarterback, Spencer Sanders. I think he's going to be fine. I, I don't, I know people last night were kind of worried with some of the, the inaccuracy and some of the poor decisions that he made, but I was really curious after the game, what the quarterback rating would come in as that zero to 100. And I thought it would be closer to the fifties because he was 19 to 32. And I think he started the game 16 of 19 and then only had three completions, you know, beyond that with two interceptions, one of which was his fault. The other one you could debate because his arm got hit, but, and he, I think he put the ball on the ground as well, but his quarterback rating came in at 72.2. I thought it would be closer to below 50 and his average QBR in the season to this point was 78 going into this game, which was the best among freshmen in all of college football. And he's still right up there as well. So I think this shows you kind of how dynamic he is and how good he is. And he doesn't have to throw a bunch of touchdown passes to be an effective player. Obviously ran for hundred yards last night, had that big 33 yard run to keep Oklahoma state in the game and put them in, you know, in a good position to score that last touchdown to make it a little bit of a game there at the end. Uh, but I, I think what's fascinating is, you know, you're a true freshman in your first big road game. I don't, Oregon State, you knew you were going to win, Tulsa, whatever. This was a game with 100,000 people there. And it seemed, he seemed poised early. He didn't let the interception rattle him. He didn't let anything really get to him. And he just went and he did what he could do. And I think that says a lot about his demeanor, his maturity, and what he's able to bring for Oklahoma State. I, he's going to bounce back just fine. Uh, they could have easily rolled over and died, and he didn't let that happen. He had made that long run and you know, you know, know, ran around a bunch of Texas defenders. So I think that says a lot about what we have at the quarterback position in Oklahoma State. But that being said, I'm going to kind of go into the negative side of my, my point here. I think right now with a guy like Spencer Sanders at quarterback, Oklahoma State is very limited on offense. And you that would, would explain a lot. Yeah, I, I think it explains a ton here. And I'm not going to be able to unpack it in a huge X's and O's way, but just from general observation, like you can see that there's not a ton of dynamic stuff going on in the Oklahoma State offense. And it's crazy to think Oklahoma State put up 30 points. You have a great dual threat quarterback. Like the offense is still good, but I think it could be so much better. And I think it will be later in the season, but right now, I think Oklahoma State's just running what Spencer Sanders is comfortable with and what he's able to diagnose as simply as possible. That's why we see a lot of the short out routes to, you know, to the to outside the hashes to the receivers. You know, simple off tackle runs to Chuba, zone read, the occasional zone read, keep it, use your legs. And then when you get one on one opportunities, go and take your shot. He made some good throws last night overall. Really, outside of that one awful interception, I feel like he was pretty effective throwing the football. But you see, but this offense and what Sean Gleason was supposed to bring in, we just haven't seen it yet. And I think you can point it back to having a redshirt freshman quarterback that's still trying to get his feet underneath him. And we've been we've seen that he's kind of slow making some of his reads. He can't quite diagnose the coverage quick enough to make some of these throws and to make the offense better. I'm curious to see how this progresses as the season goes on. I think we're going to see the offense open up a little bit more as the season goes on, but I don't think we're going to see a big jump in what we're seeing on offense with when it comes to play calling and play design until Baylor, because the bye week is previous to that. And I think until you get the bye week where you can really come in, you're not preparing for an opponent, you're just doing what you can to get better. I don't think we see anything different from Spencer Sanders 
or the offense as a whole. And to me, I think Oklahoma State is good enough to win a couple of those games on their schedule leading up to that point, but they're not going to like out-scheme anybody. They're just going to have to out-talent them, which they can do, but you're going to need a little bit more, and you're going to need to pull a little bit out because right now what's on film is what Oklahoma State has. They're they're not going to pull. They're not pulling anything out that's new. And Texas saw that, and they were able to exploit it. So to your Sanders point, I I don't want to say I've been one of the more negative people when it comes to him. I just feel like there's so much. There's a little bit too much positivity, and we're we're. It comes to that play in the first quarter, second drive, where Sanders throws to a wide-open Dylan Stoner. Um, but Dylan Stoner has to stop, come back, slow down. Yeah. Defender, he, he tries to catch the ball. Defender hits him at full pl- speed. like it's, And everyone's all over Stoner. You should have caught that. You should have caught that. You should have caught that. Nine times out of ten, he does. That time, he didn't. Like uh, Even like great wide receivers are going to drop that pass now and then. And they just are. Um, but Stoner separated. He was open. And had Sanders thrown the ball early enough to put the ball where Stoner could go get it in stride without having to stop, it's six points. It's a touchdown. And now you're up 10 nothing, and the whole game is different. And it's what we talked about after the Tulsa game where I said, you, you saw that with Tylen Wallace. The defenders, yeah, they got pass interference every time, but the defenders were able to catch up to him every time, whereas he had created separation. That right now is the a concern I have with Sanders is – the difference between this offense being good and this offense being great is if he can figure out his timing issues. He's He's got to get the ball out quicker. He's got to go through his reads and make his decisions faster because those plays matter. They do. And, and putting your wide receivers in these terrible positions where they have to go and beat a defender. They, I, mean, I understand that's part of the game. You're going to have to beat defenders sometimes. But where you're putting your def, your receiver in a position where the likelihood of him making the catch, even Tylen Wallace, decreases significantly, and it just it's not good. And I realize he's again he's a redshirt freshman. He's learning. He's going to get better. Uh, there's a couple of you can look at. You know, last night Sam Ellinger played a great game. Two years ago when we played him, he's the reason that Texas lost through that interception in the end zone. Like he, and you saw Sam Ellinger two years ago. He wasn't very good, but he had a lot of promise. And you look at Ellinger now, he's progressed. Sanders is going to get better. I'm not worried about that. But if there's, if there's things that we can look at and go, there's things that if you can fix them now, if you can fix them this year, you can be really, really good quickly and then work on other stuff on getting towards great. And it's it's a timing right now. And he's got to get that fixed because, man, I don't care if how much how well Wallace is defended. He's going to catch balls. If you get him the ball where it needs to be, he will go get it. He's that good. But I mean, and Stoner is incredibly reliable. But I'm not I, – should Stoner have caught that ball? Maybe. Should Sanders have put that ball where it needed to be so he didn't have to try and hang on getting smacked in the mouth when he had to turn around and come back and slow down for it? Yeah. And and that's and I just this is my pushback on everyone wants to like, oh, it is like it's almost like we're defending Sanders because we like him so much. And I think he's awesome. His legs, we haven't had a weapon like his legs ever. Like ever. Yeah. We have it's, played it's against those guys. It's yeah, we've played against those guys, and it's a frustrating as all freaking get out and now we have it and it's amazing and i understand what it's like like i do i get it it's like someone who tells you about like oh you you need to try this new burger place and you're like i haven't been there everybody keeps talking about it and i see it all the time 
I got to go over here to Burger King because I don't have any time to go. Then you go in, you get it, and you get the burger yourself. And you're like, oh, shit, this is amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I've been seeing it. and it's been, I've been jealous of it, but now I actually have it. That's what this is. I'm, yeah, period. Like, I just – the talent's there. The potential's there. He's going to get there. It's just if there's one thing we need him to work on and fix right now, because to me that's the it, it is the difference with the talent that they have at wide receiver. And who knows if Tylen's back next year. Like we have to think about that standpoint with the guys they have, and they have a lot of talent. That's the difference between a winning out or a 10 win season and an eight win or seven win season Mm -hmm. is can he get his timing issues fixed where when the opportunities are there to go score a touchdown, we can do so instead of having to struggle to get a a 20 yard catch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, one more point on the offense real quick. So, I don't mind them giving the ball to Chuba because obviously he's an incredible running back, but he has almost 70 carries between last week against Tulsa and then yesterday. They have to find a backup running back that is sustainable. I don't mind giving the ball to Spencer Sanders, letting him run 15 to 18 times a game because his legs are that much of a weapon, but you have to find someone else that's going to be reliable to give Chuba a break. LD Brown got one carry for minus four yards last night. And I, and I I went and, and to, to piggyback off of that, watch that. And I understand that Chuba had moved backwards a lot too, but that's what that was just the Texas defense. But you saw LD Brown, and it was a play where, man, it was so starkly different. Like the difference between Chuba and LD Brown is like night and day is an understatement. Yeah. Like the the. Six feet from the sun and a cave at the bottom of the ocean is a little bit more accurate. Right. And I don't mean to crap on LD Brown. Like, I think he's a good running back, but he has not been so far this year. No. He has not been at all. I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know what's going on. He has not been. And they don't seem to have anybody else that they trust at this point. Yeah. Like they and need that's to find a concern. Somebody. Yeah. They have to find somebody. If it's giving LD Brown, I, 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 if you're going to give the ball to Chuba 28 to 32 times, that's fine. I, I'm okay with that. But anything above that, that's when I'm like, you have to, and with, with the way Oklahoma State likes to run the ball, which again, I am okay with because you have the weapons and a decent enough offensive line that you're not going to beat your head into a wall, even though that's essentially what they were doing last night. You have to give Chuba a break because as good as he is, as strong as he is, and even though he seems like he gets faster and stronger as the game goes on, it's not going to sustain over the course of the next, what is it, eight games? It's it's not going to happen. He's going to wear down, especially like this can't happen. Like he can't wear down before Bedlam. Like it's just not going to work. You have to find a way to get LD Brown eight to 10 carries or get Micah Cooper in there. Or Desmond Jackson, we haven't even seen him touch the field yet. I don't know if he's healthy or not, but I don't even I don't, haven't seen him at all. Or DeAndre Glass, you have to find somebody that can give Chuba a breather now and then, and not just stand on the field and let Spencer run. Like that, we need a consistent backup running back. And if that's not the case, then Chuba's going to wear down, and we've lost our running game. And then it falls on Spencer to damn near make every play with his arm or with his legs. Juba has 103 attempts so far. That's wild. Yeah, that that's the LD Brown has 17. Sanders has 52. LD Brown has 17. Jamil Jeter has 11, and I'm pretty oh, sure like all Jeter. 11. Well, like all 11, I think came against McNeese. Like McNeese. Yeah. I don't care who it is, but I, and honestly, you know what? 
figure out how to give Dylan Stoner three carries a game. If you have to do it where L.D. Brown gets four and Stoner gets a couple and Jamil Jeter gets a couple, just figure out how to get some other guys in there and get used. Oh, yeah. Because you're right. Like, And you're going to lean in on it. And here's the other thing. The run game on Saturday, the, the, the play calls were god-awful, especially on any sort of short yardage need. Any, and I understand the offensive line didn't play all that well on Saturday. And maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Adam Lund's going to come in and be like, no, the d- offensive line was the best group and you're all, and he'll be right and we'll all be wrong and, and whatever. But offensive line didn't play all that well. And the, the, the calls on the run game when they just needed a few yards were awful. Awful. I mean, every time you line up under center, they know what you're going to do. It's the same play over and over again. Yeah. How many times do you have to keep running the same play? Look, now I, I'll give them credit. Third quarter, they got smart. They started running to the side that Tylen Wallace was lined up on because the safety had to stay back in, t- in case Wallace took off. So that meant that there was a, more room to run and a better opportunity to run to the right side and get some yardage. And it worked for a while until it stopped working. And they could never quite figure anything else out. And they just kept doing the same thing. There were... So I put some stats together. Um, Ten times Oklahoma State was in a situation where they needed one or two yards to either gain a first down or score a touchdown. Ten times. Twice they passed. I don't understand. This isn't all just red zone. This is, it can be out further out of the red zone because we're going to talk about red zone. We'll get to that in a minute. Twice they passed. Eight times they ran. Three of those gained a first down or a touchdown. The other five either went nowhere or backwards. Like that's – and it was play calling. Yeah. It's that it was that that fourth down call when you're at the three, you need one yard, and, and we can talk about how the ref screwed OSU over all day, but it was obvious and it was terrible and it didn't work at all. In fact, their whole red zone game plan, and you and I have been talking about this, they don't trust Spencer in the red zone because yeah, I, they absolutely. Uh, so that's the other stat I put together. Here we go. Well, I love stats and I love digging through stuff. Uh, they were in the red zone six times on Saturday. They ran 22 plays. Two were pass attempts. Yeah. One was a six-yard pass to Hubbard that went for a TD. Uh, another one was uh, uh, an incomplete pass to Wallace. They were at the 13. 22 plays in the red zone. Two were passes. 20 were runs. I th- I 20. think it my my theory on this and I could be completely wrong but just from my limited amount of being able to break the game down analytically it looks like this is Oklahoma State's way you know like Spencer Sanders is just not comfortable making some of these reads in the red zone because obviously everything gets compressed when you're inside the 20. You're not having safeties play back at 15 to 18 yards. They're playing at 10 to 12 and corners are playing up a little bit more rather than being six to eight yards back like they are normally. When everything gets compressed and he already has, kind of, he already has shown the propensity to be kind of slow on some of these reads and diagnosing a coverage that I don't think he's able to decipher the, anything quick enough to make the call. So they're just running it. And until that changes, I think we're going to continue to see more issues unless in the red zone, unless we start to see, you know, Ill. I I wish I knew. I, I'm going to listen, let Adam and Mitch kind of handle that and see what can Oklahoma State do as a solution. But that's, I think, a big reason why we've seen Oklahoma State run the ball so much in the red zone. And I, I mean, just a simple play they can run. If you're going to run that I formation, which I love, I don't care, do it. But run a play fake 
if you run that two or three times during the game, then then fake it, and then you have Jelani Woods standing in the back of the end zone with no one around him because everyone's bit on the run. Like, do something like that. Find yeah, a way just, to incorporate a pass. Like, it just wasn't creative enough. And I think it, again, I think it goes back to my previous point 15 minutes ago or so that I just don't think the offense is ready to open up until Spencer gets a few more games under his belt. And I think even one, then, yeah. you've got to be more creative with your run game. I completely like, agree. If you're going to run the same play over and over again, why would you not? Well, they know what we're going to do here. Every time we line up this way, we're going to do the same thing. And they did. Why would you not play off of that? Why would you not get creative? Yeah. Like, it felt like, it felt like two years ago mm-hmm. where they just kept, we're going we're gonna to run the ball. Gosh darn dag nabbit. I don't care if it's not working. We're going to run the ball anyways. And, and it's, as a fan, you're sitting here going, what are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing right now? Like why? I, I, I don't even want to, we're not going to talk about the fake field goal because I don't want to. Because I, <laughs> I, I get because... everyone's upset about it. Because I, but it's not A, it didn't work. It was it, it, it and it was it was weird timing. I, I don't understand the decision after you lost the yardage. Like I get you're trying to be like, well, now they would never expect us to do it, but they still kind of did. And you'd already lost five yards, which meant what was already going to be difficult was now going to be even more so. The play call was uh, okay, and Jelani couldn't even catch the ball. But it never should have been in that situation. You should have scored on that fourth and one from the three, mm-hmm. and. You just ran the same play, and Gundy and I'm gonna I can't I gotta find the quote. But Gundy basically like that. That's the play we've been running, and it's been working all the way, uh, all the way until now. Well, yeah, you were playing Oregon State and McNeese and Tulsa. Of course, it worked. You're playing a Texas defense that's far better than any of those, and you you. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. It's the same play you've been running that's been effective. You go into a Texas game where they have that play on tape, and you keep running it. You don't go. They're going to have this on tape. Let's run it a couple times and then do something they don't expect with it. Right. If you don't want to open up the offense for Spencer because you're not, you don't think he's ready for it. Fine. I get it. That's fine. Do what you need to do. But the run game, you've got to. You are too creative and too clever to just sit there and pound your head against a brick wall and say, "Eventually, I'm going to break through." Like it. That. That is frustrating to watch as a fan, and it's a disservice. Like that's what we saw. Mm-hmm. Like, can I can I make one point on the fake field goal, and then we can move on from it? I don't want to I don't want to dive too much into it. But here's yeah, here's my main point. We've seen it for the last four to five years. The special teams unit for Oklahoma State the past couple years has not been great. I think it's been better this year overall, but it's been the most conservative aspect of this team for the last four to five years. They are content with taking a fair catch every time on a punt, fake punt or on a on a punt. It's why you see Dolan Stoner back there, not someone that's dynamic enough to make a break. It's why you see guys that are just the sure, most sure-handed people possible to catch the ball on kick and punt return. And why you know, we, we see it all the time. Why was that the situation you decide to get creative on special teams? After taking a delay of game, you move your kicker back again, and then you decide to do something different rather than taking points in a game where you had already gotten screwed on a uh, on a spot, and then you don't get the fourth down. You needed the points there. Why get creative in that juncture? It doesn't make sense. I, I'm fine with having a conservative special team because that means you're not f***ing up for the most part. And I'm trying not to get too fired up. 
But yeah. that it, it was not necessarily that they tried the fake field goal. It was at the time that they did it. And it's that we haven't seen them try that. Does anyone remember the last time Oklahoma State's tried a fake field goal? I can't think of it. It's been a little bit. I apologize. I, just, I apologize for dropping your F-bomb. I was fine <laughs> thinking about this game because I wanted to come. I'm glad we didn't do an immediate reaction last night. I was ready to come on and go scorched earth, but I'm glad we had I had about 24 hours to kind of I calm and have a different perspective. Do what? <laughs> oh, the ratings would have been much better, but I would have sounded like Mike Francesa or something like that, and I don't want that in my life. Um, but that play just got me fired up again because that I I was just – I had never been that frustrated or just livid at one singular play watching an Oklahoma State game in a very long time. And again, it's not necessarily that they ran it. It's when they ran it and the situation that happened before they ran it as well. If they tried it on the fourth and one, okay, you're trying to get a yard. But six, like that made zero sense to me whatsoever. So let's do this. There's two other things I want to talk about and then we can move on to something else if we have anything else. First off, Shout out to um, the Oklahoma State defense. Yes. I yes. realized that Texas kind of went into just run out the clock mode after they went up um, the 36-23. I understand that. But you held Texas to two points fewer than LSU did, so props to there. I know there were moments where the defensive line struggled. I know that Texas was able to run the ball effectively. That's not – like that's just kind of what we're going to have to deal with. That Welcome to not having defensive line depth. I know we got Evers and Antoine back that's still going to be an issue. Um, and while Texas doesn't have any running back depth, Ingram's a good running back. Like mm-hmm. let's just – he's <laughs> – their RB1s are still good, even if they don't have much for an RB2. Um, but I thought the defense did well. I think they, they did well enough for OSU to win this game. Uh, again – Texas probably could have attacked them more in the second half, and I think Texas, if they wanted to, could have won this game by more if they'd really tried, and they weren't. But still, the defense did its job, and I appreciate that. Two, the penalties. Oklahoma State ended up with nine for 69 yards. Um, I need to go back and look to confirm, but I'm pretty sure they all came in the second half. They did. And most came in the fourth quarter. Yes. And you could tell they came, they were born out of frustration. Mm-hmm. You're starting to see a number of false start penalties from the offensive line. I think they were born out of frustration. I think they were born out of not just the teams, but I think the team was reading off Spencer, and I think Spencer was getting frustrated. We saw it in the second quarter against Tulsa. And I know that, that Gundy has talked about this, that Spencer's not frustrated at his players. He's frustrated at himself. And I understand that. But anybody who's ever been any sort of team anything, if the leader of your team – is not calm, cool, and collected. That feeds down into everybody else. Yep. Um, that's the other thing I think Spencer's got to work on. It's just he's got to he's got to keep his cool. He'll get there. I, I think I think Gundy's good at keep, at, at teaching guys that because Gundy does a pretty good job of realistically keeping his cool. And I think Spencer's a level headed guy. I think he got frustrated, and the team got frustrated, which is why I'm going to kind of allow those penalties to go aside. And I'm not going to say, oh no, this is coming back. A lot of came in the fourth quarter, but it is just something to say. Those penalties came and were born out of frustration. They've got to keep their heads on them. They've got to not allow themselves to shoot themselves in the foot. Because think about it again. OSU lost by six. I understand Texas went into prevent, just run the clock and get it out of here. But 
it's hard to come away from this game and not feel like OSU lost a good opportunity. And I think that's kind of why I'm not that angry about this game of neither team played great. Texas won. Things bounced Oklahoma State's way, but they still couldn't overcome their own mistakes. It's fine. We said before the season, I predicted this season to be an eight and four a year. Mm -hmm. I said this was going to be a loss all the whole time. I think that's helped me not be so angry and just kind of be like, look, what I what I feel about this is I feel good about this team. This test, they lost, and they didn't play all that well. And I still come away feeling like this is one of the three or f- this is one of the four best teams in the Big 12, especially after what we've been seeing the last few weeks. I know Iowa State found their offense. TCU is um, don't I don't know what Baylor is still. Kansas State's legit. We're gonna figure that out on Saturday. But this is going to be a better season than last year. There's still a lot of potential for this season. If you told me they won eight games, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me they won nine, I wouldn't be shocked. If you told me they won ten, I'd be maybe a little shocked, but not really shocked. I feel good about this team moving forward. I think we all probably should. I think so. I think my, my biggest takeaway from the defense, like you said, they adjusted well after a terrible second quarter. Uh, now, like you said, Texas kind of went into a shell. Let's just get out of here without any more of our entire roster getting hurt, supposedly. Air quotes. Um, air, air quotes. Injured is uh, using that lightly. Um, I didn't know tripping over blades of grass could get you hurt, but um, my biggest takeaway from the defense was obviously Texas's offensive line is solid, but Oklahoma State had two quarterback hurries and no sacks. That was it. They're going to have to find a way, even though the defensive line is thin, to they're going to have to find a way to stunt, do something different, use your linebackers to blitz and find a way to get pressure and get the quarterback at least on his back a couple times. Even if you don't sack him, at least force the pocket to close. We haven't seen that at all. They were getting zero penetration into the backfield at pretty much all game. They, there were only three tackles for a loss and all of them were 0.5. So it was a couple gang tackles and that was it. They're going to have to find ways to get in the backfield with, you know, it was good to have Evers and it was good to have Antwine back, but that's still, that's two guys at a thin position. You're going to have to find a way to get creative on the defensive line and utilize the linebackers that have been fantastic this season with Ogbong Amiga and Rodriguez and now Devin Harper's back, which is huge. And if you get Bundage back, you're going to have to find a way to, you're going to have to find a way to get pressure on the quarterback or at least get in the backfield, make them feel your presence. We They didn't do that yesterday. And that's an over. Overall, I was okay with the defense, the defense's performance, but that's something that is concerning. And when you have a team that runs the ball as much as K State does, you're gonna have to find a way to muck up the trenches and get you know get guys for negative or no yards. Otherwise, they're just gonna run it down our throats just like Texas did. Yeah, I I like the defense. I like what Knowles is doing this year's defense is better than last year. Yes, there are issues, but those are the issues we knew coming into the season with the roster. When you remake a defense in the way that they have, that's why I say take, it takes three to four years. You've got to adjust the roster to fit the scheme. They're still doing that. I've seen progress. I see really good in-game adjustments on defense. I actually saw some uh, that the changes they made to the running game in the third quarter that worked, I felt like adjustments that were made by Gleason. So I, I felt like adjustments were made. Mistakes were made in this game, but I saw things, decisions coaching-wise were frustrating, but I did see things coaching-wise that made me feel good. I just I come over this game going, we've got Kansas State coming to town. They're ranked 24th, on, and, and that Saturday game at night is 
Man, that is big. That is a big one. Um, and speaking of that game, we need to start plugging because we haven't. Uh, Cowboys Roger Free is having a tailgate. Yeah, we are. We are having a tailgate. I don't know where it's going to be yet. We'll get those details out to you as soon as we can, probably on Facebook or on Twitter. But I will be there. Philip will be there. Micah will be there. We'll, we'll, and I believe the Harris Twins will be there as well. Not sure who else, but feel free to come uh, by. Grandfather, CRFF grandfather himself, Robert, is going to be there. Oh, that is fantastic news. I, the man behind picks from Joe's. Fantastic. He will be there too, and so we'll all be hanging out. Feel free to come by. When, like I said, once we figure out where that spot will be, we'll tweet it out, and we'd love to hang out and uh, meet anybody that comes by. What did you think of the uniforms? Though? I, I love the helmet. Yeah, the helmet was oh. it was a good look. I love tricolor, and um, that orange helmet was that was a sharp look. I actually... Um, so I like when they go, I like when they do orange and black in whatever the Halloween game is. Mm-hmm. I need to look at the schedule. What a terrible fan I am knowing the schedule, but not quite remembering what the schedule is. So, ooh. oh, the Halloween game would be at Iowa state. Ooh. Well, no, do we do the Halloween? Is it the one, is it the game before or after? Uh, where does it fall this year? I honestly have not looked at the calendar that far, truly. Halloween is on a Thursday. So if it's the game after, it's the home game against TCU. Bring on the orange and black. Bring that helmet back up and give me... Oh, give it to me. Black, black. Yes, give it to me. Give me that helmet with black jersey, black pants on Halloween. That's when I like to see, like, literally give me pumpkin head, black, black. (laughs) That's what I want. <laughs> fantastic. But no, I, I was a huge fan of it. I love the tricolor. The orange, the orange, white, black is my favorite tricolor that Oklahoma State pulls out. I think it looks really good. Even though like the bright orange always looks kind of red on TV, but we all know that it's it's orange. Like it's not like anyone's gonna you know forget Oklahoma State is you know not bright red or whatever. But I, I think it was a really solid look for a primetime game on ABC. I thought it was a really solid look, really strong look. Uh, and I like that they pull out something different. We've seen the brand or Pete. Uh, all season now to see that's the first time we've seen phantom pete in a long time and i was glad to see them pull him back out i am a phantom pete defender i am too. i am a i'm a fan i understand people who don't like him it's fine you're wrong <laughs> just, you just sit there in your wrongness but uh i love me some phantom pete i think it's awesome so before we wrap this one up uh, obviously we talked about football this entire time but there's another sport going on for oklahoma state that we think deserves some love our women's soccer team nationally ranked they're seven zero and two finishing up non-conference heading into conference play uh, they tied today they drew with smu uh two to two but they have had a fantastic season so far and we think they deserve a lot of credit for what they've been able to do so far yeah absolutely like it, it what's frustrating is that the two draws they had two O leads in both. Um, the first one was at Oklahoma. It was their second game of the season. OU and Norman tied it up because they play a they play twice every year. One is non conference, one is conference. And I love that we do this in sports like this. Like the be- baseball does the one that, that that counts. And wrestling used to play twice a year and do a non conference one. Like especially in non football and basketball. So ba- football, obviously, basketball you get to play twice. But in all the other sports, we're I mean, like give us give us as much bedlam as possible. I love it. So Drew with OU, Drew with SMU today at home. And, I mean, those are frustrating, but here's the deal. A uh, couple of shining moment, moments is OSU beat uh, St. Louis 2 to nothing. That may not sound like a big deal, but St. Louis is the defending A-10 champs. That's a very nice win to have on the resume. Also, the following Thursday, they had gone to Penn State, who at the time was ranked like number eight, and won 2-1 in double overtime. So, They've got a they've got a marquee win. They've got another couple nice wins on the schedule to hang their hat, and they're gonna 
they, the expectations for this team were not great heading into the year, and I thought it was stupid. And it was based off of last year. They kind of fell apart at the end of the year. That's because they lost like half their roster to injury. And before then, we're really, really, really good. This team is good. This is a good squad. Um, I think they can. Uh, they have a shot to win the Big 12. They may not, but they've got a legitimate shot to do so. Uh, I think the, the other team to watch for is Kansas. They get them at home. And that game is actually going to be on ESPN+, Plus, which means I'm going to be watching it on that Thursday night while my wife is asleep. <laughs> There you go, and yeah, if you and if you're in Stillwater and you've never been to Neil Patterson Stadium, I highly recommend it. I went a couple times last season. It is one of the best soccer facilities for in in college sports in, in all of college athletics. It is awesome to see someone you know to get to see the you know the program back to the way it has been the last couple of years. Obviously, last year not being ideal in the inaugural season, but this year they really are getting back to what they were a couple of years ago when they were able to win the Big Twelve. J.C. Jones leading the way with six goals already this season. Uh, Kim Rodriguez, who I believe is on the Mexican national team, something like yes. that. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Yes. But yeah, the, there are a lot of players on this team that are fantastic. This is a great group. Colin Carmichael is a great coach. This is a team to watch out for. And like I said, we, we want to make sure we give them a lot of credit, just like we did the softball team during the spring. These girls deserve it, and we want to make sure that we will give them as much love as we can, and we'll continue to update you guys throughout the season. Yeah, they're scheduled for this week. They head to Texas Tech on Thursday night, play them there. Uh, and then they'll play TCU in Fort Worth this coming Sunday. All right. Well, so if you're in the Tech-Fort Worth area, like put on some orange Sunday afternoon at 1 o'clock, go over to TCU Stadium, and go cheer on the Cowgirls. There you go. All right, Philip, do you have any final thoughts here before we wrap this one up? I am looking forward to talking about this Kansas State game on Saturday. Um, this is a... This game is so much bigger than any of us expected heading into the season. Kansas State is good. That Mississippi State road game, look, Mississippi State's not awesome, but Mississippi State's a good SEC team. And remind you, like the year before, they went to Vanderbilt and lost. So understand the difference between what, what Kleiman has done in year one at Kansas State is impressive. Oh, yeah. This is a This is going to be a tough game. This is going to be probably the best O-line and D-line Oklahoma State has faced so far. Um, this is going to be interesting. It really is. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. We're going to be there. It might be it. I don't know. Are we going to the game? Are, you, are we going to go? I am looking into it. I have not bought tickets yet, um, but I am, I'm hoping that we see the prices drop maybe a little bit, hopefully throughout the week, and we'll, we'll go from there. I'm sure they're going to go up, so i got to jump on them soon. But right now, it is up in the air if I will actually make it into BPS, but for sure I will be at the tailgate. I'm going to show up game day with 10 bucks in my hand and just go, give me a ticket. <laughs> That's not a bad call. Who knows? You might, I'm, I'm looking maybe probably just get like general admission or something like that, go sit in the student section have a good time. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. All right. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. I've picked up a few new followers. I want to say thank you to all of you. If you also happen to listen to the show, I do tweet during games. I might tweet during this one. We'll see how the stadium, the uh, services during this during the game. Talking too fast. Slow it down, Phil. Um, so, yeah, give me a follow. Are you at 1,000 followers yet? Oh no, we're no. getting there. No. Give, give Philip a follow. We got to we got to get him close to a thousand. I hit a thousand a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's 
You son of a bitch. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that subtle jab. Hey, like, I, I had a thousand I, tweets I, ago. I, I appreciate all those that follow my very below average tweeting, but you can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF, and we will be back midweek to preview the game against Kansas State on Saturday. We will talk to you all then.